Pride to say, once again, it was on the back of Daniel Jones. It is incredible to think that this team is 6-1 by coaching, even though injuries have happened, our wide receiver core is literally trash. Our defense really didn't play the best game. But the Giants have just had an impeccable season this far. And all I'm, all, all I'm going to say is Daniel Jones. Now, Saquon, we'll talk about him on a bigger uh, circle, whatever we want to call it. But it was on the back of Daniel Jones this game. And he did everything he could to make sure that the Giants were going to come out and win this game. And people might want to start thinking about next year. Now, not in terms of, oh, well, you know, uh, next year the draft this and the other thing. I'm talking about bringing Daniel Jones back on a one-year contract. But we're going to get into that. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. And I believe Jacksonville still hasn't won against an NFC opponent since Blake Bortles. Now, the Giants did lose to the Jaguars their last time. Uh, the last time they encountered each other, you know, Blake Bortles was a starter. I think the final score was like 20 to 15 or something like that. Um, it was when Eli Manning was still the, back, uh, the quarterback in 2018. And the Giants were coming into this game winless in Jacksonville. Well, they stomped on that one. What did they stomp on last week? They stomped on the fact that Lamar Jackson was undefeated against NFC East opponents. And guess what? The New York Giants won against the Ravens. They won against the Packers. It's not a very um, comfortable schedule after the Giants came back from London. It wasn't a comfortable schedule. It wasn't. Because you didn't have a bye. You had the Ravens. And the NFL gives us that test. And guess what? We we went over that. And we, we completely passed the test. We won. I call that passing the test. I call that getting an A. Then you got the Jaguars and we beat them. So you know what? If you're a Giants fan and you're not living in the moment, and maybe you're, you know if you're not talking about playoffs, maybe that's you being cautious, but live in the moment because this is a real football team, six in one. Um, you know, obviously because of the bye, we do match the records with the Bills, the Vikings, and you know the Eagles, kind of in terms of win-loss, but uh, we'll see, man. Hopefully, the Steelers can pull one out next week. I don't really have too much confidence that they'll be able to do that. Um, you know, obviously, maybe they'll play a little harder because it's a uh, interstate thing, but uh, we got Seattle next week. Obviously, we'll save that preview for later in the week when I get somebody from the Seahawks on, but the Giants are 6-1, and one, and let's go right into it. So, stats-wise, uh, Daniel Jones, 19 for 30, 202 yards, a touchdown, 6.7 yards per throw, a sack, 87.1 quarterback rating, and then a passer rating of 94. I mean, those are some of his best stats on the season now. Maybe you could argue, okay, he could have got more passing yards, this, that, and the other thing. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's the best QBR this season for Daniel Jones or pretty close to it. The same thing goes for passer rating. I think he did have like 100 passer rating a few weeks ago. Maybe been against the Packers. Could have also been against 
the Ravens. Now you look at the Jacksonville passing game. It was a little more fluid. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 22 for 43, 310 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, 7.2 yards per throw, 41.5 QBR, and a 74.8 rating. So obviously, Daniel Jones, you know, while he threw for less yards and attempted less passes, uh, it seemed that Daniel Jones was just a little more fluid with the football. Uh, For the rushing game, which, you know, destroyed both sides at different points in the game, Saquon Barkley, I mean, he's another guy we got to credit a ton. Uh, you know, in the first half, he had two rushing yards. He had two rushing yards. He had 13 receiving yards. And guess what? He ended the game with over 100 rushing yards. And it really, a lot of it was on the last drive. And that's not, you know, saying, oh, Saquon didn't wasn't a part of the game. He was a part of the game. But they kept running this pin and pull. I don't know if it's technically a pin and pull, but they kept running a pull with Zudu and then Myrick would come up and block, and that was basically the last drive. And even though the officials were making it hard for us to win just a little bit, uh, you know, in different aspects of the game, you know, uh, we won the game. But back to Saquon Barkley, I mean, he was just, he was, he stayed in the game 100%, and this is a winning football team. Um, Daniel Jones, 11 carries, 107 yards, a touchdown, 9.7 yards per carry. I mean, this was his best rushing game. This may have been his best rushing game of his career. I know, obviously, against Washington last year, he had a pretty good rushing game and a solid passing game, but I think this was the best rushing game of his career because, you know, he carried the Giants with his legs as well. Once again, even though Saquon Barkley did have a hell of a fourth quarter, um, Daniel Jones was just there. You know, he saw a hole and he would run. You know, sometimes he would be a little, um, you know... I don't know what word to put it in, but sometimes he wouldn't slide. Sometimes he would take the hit. I guess it's just the dog in him, really. Uh, If he didn't get the turf monster attacking him again, well, he probably would have had another rushing touchdown. But, hey, listen, you know what? We won. That's that's what's happy. Uh, That's what makes us happy, I should say. Matt Breida, four carries, 19 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. Um, You look at the Jacksonville side, which they destroyed us in the running game. I'm going to say it. Travis Etienne, 114 yards on 14 carries, 8.1 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Zay Jones had a rush, so did Jermichael Hasty, Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk, and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Four carries for three yards and the touchdown. Obviously, that was on the uh, quarterback sneak. And then Etienne had a running touchdown. Uh, The receiving corpse and the receiving game. Giants, Darius Slayton, three catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Love that beautiful ball from Daniel Jones. Uh, Wandale Robinson, six catches, 50 yards. Really didn't do a ton, but sometimes he would move the chain. Saquon Barkley, four uh, catches for 25 yards. Chris Myrick, two catches, 21 yards. Was a little more involved when Daniel Bellinger left the game. Sills got a catch for 19. Matt Breida got a catch for 14. Bellinger got a catch for 13. Richie James got a catch for two. Marcus Johnson... Uh, three targets, no catches, and uh, Tanner Hudson, one catch. Actually, no, no catches and one target. Uh, for the Jacksonville receiving in, Christian Kirk, seven receptions, 96 yards, no touchdowns. Evan Ingram tore it up when he had the chance until they put a Dory Jackson on him, which is an adjustment I would have made a little earlier in the game, but they did it anyway. Uh, four catches, 67 yards, four catches, 57 yards for Marvin Jones. Zay Jones, four catches, 54 yards. Dan Arnold had a 24-yard catch. Uh, It was on like a second and 24 or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but 
it was still a chunk play that the Giants defense allowed. Tim Jones, a catch for seven, a catch for five for Etienne, and Robinson really didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of action this game, which I'm a little surprised in, but I guess they're riding what's hot. Uh, I guess the game plan is different for every game. Uh, in terms of fumbles, the Giants recovered one, and that was from Travis Etienne. Um, he fumbled right in the end zone. Julian Love got it, and he kneeled down for the touchback. You take a look at the matchup stats, team stats. Giants and Jaguars both had 27 first downs. The Giants had 11 passing first downs, and the Jaguars had 15. Giants had 13 rushing first downs. The Jaguars had seven. We had three first downs from penalties. The Jaguars had five, a lot of those occurring on that last drive. Third down efficiency, the Giants were 6 for 12. Not bad. Uh, The Jaguars were 6 for 13. We were 0 for 1 on fourth down. The Jaguars for 2 for 4. Total plays, the Giants ran 70. The Jaguars ran 65. Total yards, they had 452, and the Giants had 436. They had one more total drive. They had 9, and the Giants had 8. Seven yards per play for Jacksonville, 6.2 for the New York Giants. In terms of the red zone, the Giants were 1 for 5. They really couldn't punch it in. There was mostly a lot of field goals. Um, The one time they did crush it in the end zone, was the Daniel Jones quarterback sneak. They were outside the red zone when he threw it to Darius Slayton. And then the Jaguars were two for five. Penalties. Now, Jacksonville had more penalties, <clears throat> but I think it impacted the Giants way more. Uh, holding penalties, legal formation penalties, hand to the face penalties, roughing the passer penalties. I think those take in a lot. And listen, you could say, oh, well, Jacksonville had 13 penalties for 81 yards compared to the Giants, eight for 67. Well, it's all about timing. Um, you know, the end of the game, I mean, that last drive was filled with like four different penalties. Roughing the passer, hand of the face, pass interference, there was a lot. And some of it was bullshit. I could argue that Kayvon Thibodeau was held a bunch of times. And I think, and this is not trying to make some excuse or anything like that. Listen, we won and I, I'm fucking happy we won. But I think that's the NFL trying to get more offensive production. Um, and that's what they're telling the referees because you look and, you know, people have different views on the way quarterbacks have been trade this season. I want to think that quarterback plays a little bit down. Um, you know, you will have your big quarterback games, but I just feel like the, the product is down this year and to keep this offensive momentum going as it has been the last few years. I just think that they're calling less holding penalties. It's not like it's a conspiracy theory. It's actually what they're doing. But nonetheless, it's inf- it's affecting the Giants. It's affecting the stats for Kayvon Thibodeau. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, he's not impactful for the Giants. Oh, he's lazy. Meanwhile, look at the big tackle he made on Travis Etienne, one of those big, like, 50-yard runs he broke out on. Um so Jacksonville did turn it over once, and the Giants 34-10 in the time of possession, and 25-50 for Jacksonville. So now we move on to defensive leaders as well. The Giants didn't have too much on the stat sheet. You have to look at pressures. You have to look at the advanced analytics. And I'm going to say it right now, obviously they didn't play their best game. Uh, that's pretty much out there. They only allowed 17 points, which isn't you know a bad thing, but they allowed a lot of yards. Um, especially in the running game, especially in the running game, the passing game as well. I think uh, no one has really crossed, at least to my knowledge, 300 on the Giants this year. 
Um, I can take a look. I'm actually going to take a look right now doing this live here. Um, but I don't think the Giants have had a 300-yard passer on them. So we're going to take a look. Week 6, Lamar Jackson, 210. Week 5, Aaron Rodgers, 222. Uh, week 4, Justin Fields, 174. Week 3, um, week three, Cooper Rush, 215. Week two against Baker Mayfield. Well, Daniel Jones was the lead passer. That tells you everything you need to know. And Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, 266. So this was the first time they allowed over 300 yards in the passing game, and it did affect them. I think Fabian Moreau gave up seven receptions on 12 uh, targets, and then a Dory, I think it was like a 50% completion percentage, four for eight quarterbacks, or at least Trevor Lawrence was against him. So... Uh, you know, I thought Adore had a good game. Fabian Moreau had, you know, an all right game. It wasn't too great. Um, but defensive leaders, uh, in terms of the stat sheet, uh, Fabian Moreau and Julian Love were the lead tacklers. Adore Jackson had two pass deflections. Fabian Moreau had a pass deflection. Tay Crowder had a pass deflection that was nearly intercepted. Uh, Darning Holmes had a pass deflection. Nick Williams had a pass deflection. Giants did not gather any tackles for a loss or a sack. I would like to think they did get a tackle for a loss on that stop on fourth down, which Lawrence was going for the sneak, and Jihad Ward and Jalen Smith and Quincy Roche. Those last two downs were very good. Uh, Ryder Anderson as well. So I have to give him credit. But in quarterback hit-wise, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau only got one, but once again, look at the pressures. He definitely got a couple of pressures. I think he got four or five. And then... Um, the other guy with quarterback hit was Leonard Williams, and I would like to see him get on the stat sheet a little bit more. I don't know why. Maybe we'll you know get into it later with the uh, the snap counts, which will be part of stock up, stock down. I forgot to add it in the uh, the little graphic we have here, but anyway, you'll see it later when we go over the snap counts. Whether it was just I don't know because I feel like more. Uh, well, they I feel like they play Justin Ellis and Nick Williams more than they should have, but. You know, who knows? But anyway, I think it was honestly more on the linebacking core than it was on the uh, the defensive linemen in the secondary. But you take a look at Jacksonville's defensive leaders. Trayvon Walker recorded the one sack. I believe it was against Tyree Phillips. Uh, in terms of tackles for a loss, they had four. Trayvon Walker with one. Davon Hamilton with one. Uh, Foyosadi Alakwun, I think that's his name. He had one tackle for a loss, and then Roy Robertson-Harris had a tackle for a loss. Their lead tackler was a lock wound. Um, pass deflections, Darius Williams had three. One pass deflection for Andre Sisco, two for Rayshon Jenkins, one for Trey Herndon, one for Dwayne Smoot, and then Trayvon Walker had a quarterback hit, as well as Roy Robertson-Harris and Josh Allen. Josh Allen really wasn't a factor, and I thought he really would be. Um, I guess he was playing Andrew Thomas's side because Andrew Thomas probably locked him down. Uh, I thought they'd play him a little bit more against Evan Neal and Tyree Phillips, especially with Neal leaving the game. But I guess uh, Mike Caldwell didn't make those adjustments or the players didn't make those adjustments. So now we go into the key takeaways. Let's talk about the offense. Daniel Jones carried this team to victory for most of the game, if not all of the game. And Saquon did factor in as well. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um... And I, I'm going to bunch this with a bunch of other things. So, you know, keep your hats on. It's windy. 
the receivers were goddamn terrible. And this is not me making an excuse. Daniel Jones still found a way to somewhat elevate the players around him and put this team on his back and carry them to a victory. Marcus Johnson was terrible. He dropped at least two passes. Darius Slayton, I think it was him or was Marcus Johnson, hit him right in the fucking chest. It was that slant going to the end zone, and I liked the call. I don't know why people didn't like the call to go for it. I think it was like fourth and one, fourth and two. And it was a slant to Marcus Johnson. And Darius Williams played the ball really well because he was covering Wondell Robinson, who was going to the right side of the end zone, um, sort of like a little pick play. And, you know, Marcus Johnson was going on the slant being covered by Tyson Campbell. And Darius Williams, yeah, he makes a great play on the ball. But Marcus Johnson, because he's not that good of a receiver. I mean, I'm not saying he's a solid receiver or this, that, and the other thing. I really haven't said that. But he catches it or tries to with his chest when it's supposed to be your hands. And that's one you got to hold on to because this team, you know, at times in terms of crucial timing and clutch timing, they haven't, you know, they haven't punched it in. Sometimes I've complimented them. Sometimes I haven't. And that's one you got to get because guess what? Maybe this is not the way we think. Maybe this is the way the coaching staff thinks. You know, for the first few games he played, Marcus Johnson, oh, he was an okay receiver. Maybe we bring him back next year. Because of this game, maybe they think otherwise. Maybe they say, oh, well, you know, he wasn't that good this game. Might as well cut him next year, you know. Might as well, you know, not bring him back. Um, Darius Slayton had his fair share of drops. Not happy with his performance at times. I mean, I don't know because he had the one touchdown. He had a few catches, but it just wasn't. A solid performance from him and we've given him well we but the coaching staff has given him games to play right ever since Galladay and Tony and all these different guys went out he's been one of the main focal points of the passing game and he just hasn't been consistent now I will take him over Marcus Johnson I will take him over David Sills I'll take him over some of these guys we have in the receiving room but, man, if you want a second contract with the team, you're going to have to play your ass off the next few weeks. And Richie James really didn't have a great day either. I mean, he had a reception for two yards. I th- honestly thought that he wasn't out where they spotted him. But he made a couple of crucial drops. I think there was a third down where they could have converted. He was right there at the sticks, and he didn't catch it. So if you're Joe Shane, you're looking at this wide receiver core and saying, we need to draft a bunch of wide receivers that can make plays next year, that fit the scheme, and that can actually play NFL football. Now, before I uh, head back to Saquon, just going to finish up on Daniel Jones. We're going to have a discussion later about whether he should come back next year at least. Next year at least. Um, but he he's turned some eyeballs. He's turned my eyeballs because... You know, coming into the year, I didn't have any expectations for him. I didn't know what he was going to be. But guess what? Some of these different things that he's doing, putting the team on his back, and these are not pushover teams. Like, you know, the Jaguars, they were a competitive team. They play competitive to a lot of teams across the NFL. Um, They're rebuilding just like us in a different way, in their own structure. But they're not a pushover. They beat the Colts who are a halfway decent team. I forget who their other win was against, but they still, you know, 2-5. and five. I would look, maybe in the second half of their schedule is good enough. Maybe them, you know, they should research. 
problem with them is they just don't close out games and that's what they didn't do this game so let's not look at the Jaguars and say it was a pushover because they gave us trouble and this is not really talking to the Giants fan base this is talking to anyone out there who's still doubting the New York Giants who's still doubting Daniel Jones to a certain extent Daniel Jones beat the Packers what was it how many years we've been talking about oh, Daniel Jones really hasn't beaten any good teams well he beat the Ravens and only he's beat the Packers he's beat the Titans now he beats the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, who was looking like, quote-unquote, Andrew Luck coming out of college. So, you know, just, just I'm not going to say stay where you're at in terms of Daniel Jones, but trust me, the next few weeks hopefully should prove something, and maybe some of you will turn your eyeballs in the national media. I know Dan Orlovsky was going on a rant, and, you know, he's had his fair share of criticisms, and I'll talk about the media too much on here. But I know he's had his fair share criticisms of Daniel Jones and missing his receivers. But man, oh man, like, do you just hate the guy because he was better than you? Anyway, um, Saquon Barkley with over 100 rushing yards. He was, you know, I wouldn't say an X factor in the passing game, but he definitely was a part of it. And he was a part of that second half resurgence. He was definitely a part of the fourth quarter where we needed to close it out. Um, you know, I was listening to the second half, really the third, uh, excuse me, fourth quarter on the radio because I was heading to Port Authority. And, you know, there were times he wasn't out of bounds, but he would break for big runs. So, um, you know, we ended up winning the game, so I'm not going to get mad at Saquon for that. But listen, he's on his way to 1,000. He's going to get 1,000. And comeback player of the year, if he's even allowed to be in that race, I think it needs to go to him at some point because it's just... It's unforeseeable what he's doing right now, if that's even the word to describe it. And shout-outs to Mike Kafka, because they didn't have a running game in the first half. This was a defense that was very good against the run. I think they were third against the run coming into this game. Well, guess what? That fourth quarter was based on the running game a lot. And they pushed it. They made it work until it didn't work. Now, I talked about the receivers. I want to talk about some injuries that we had on the offensive side of the football um Daniel Bellinger got his eye socket fractured and his septum first of all I don't get how NFL officiating misses that he literally punched him poked him in the eye and when I first saw him like what the hell's going on and it was like you know I you know poked him in the eye that should be a penalty which it should have been but the NFL officiating did a horrible job towards the end of the game and this wasn't even the end of the game I believe this was in the first half and then you know, he's on the cart, and his eye just looks fucking terrible. And then now we see that he's going to miss some time because of the fractured septum, the fractured uh, socket. So whoever honestly did that should f- make a fucking apology. And maybe you could call me biased Jaguar fans or whoever, but you should fucking apologize because, you know, ACL, that's not necessarily an injury caused by, oh, someone making a big hit. No, that's usually non-contact. Some of these other injuries, like MCLs, you know, non-contact. But when you literally poke somebody in the fucking eye, and there's, and it's not like, ah, oh, well, okay, they come back in the game. No, his septum, his septum is literally fractured. His, uh, his socket is literally fractured. He's going to be out a few weeks. This isn't no pushover injury. So whoever did that should fucking apologize. I don't care whether I get called out or not. They should apologize. But on to the non-contact injuries. Um, Evan Neal and Ben Bredesen got hurt. I don't know what Bredesen's injury is. 
But Evan Neal is dealing with an MCL sprain. He should be back, quote-unquote, against the Cowboys. And you know what? Honestly, let him rest. Um, You know, I don't know how he played during the game. I would assume he played well because, you know, there wasn't really too much pressure on Daniel Jones, uh, apart from the Tyree Phillips thing, who I thought played okay. I mean, he gave up four pressures, but I thought he played okay. Um, So, obviously, these are two big losses. I'm going to guess Bredesen is on the same kind of uh, injury spectrum as Evan Neal. And that's going to give time to Josh Azudu to really slip in and play left guard and get some of his uh, deficiencies out of the way. You know, they've been rotating him and this and that and the other thing. Do they keep a rotation going with Jack Anderson is my question. Do they want to keep that uh, carousel left guard? I don't think they will, but I would try to give Jack Anderson some time, my personal opinion. Um, but anyway, Bredesen, hopefully he gets better because he's been solid over the last few weeks. Evan Neal, he's been getting better. And that's pretty much what I got to wrap up the offense with. We'll talk about a little bit more, you know, injury concerns towards the end of the podcast episode, um, even though we talked a lot about it here. Let's go to the defense. The Giants had their second worst defensive game, or maybe even their worst, if you want to talk about a couple of different things, but only allowed 17 points. And I think, you know, people will say, oh, the Giants defense is terrible, this, any other thing. I think it's a clutch factor in this defense. I think it's the fact that they never give up. The resiliency, as I've talked about. You know, they were overmatched last week against the Ravens. Guess what? They fought themselves back into the game, made some key stops, interception, fumble recovery. Those things make a defense more than the stats. They are resilient. They are a resilient group. And the passing game, now you can consider it a lot because of the last drive and some of the other things that Trevor Lawrence did throughout the game. And sometimes he really didn't have any pressure on him, excuse me. But just resiliency. You know, while we're talking about the defense not being able to stop the run, which they didn't again, which is a huge problem. Um, how does that get fixed, you ask me? I think it's the linebackers. Um, you know, we have some solid defensive linemen, Leonard Williams, uh, Dexter Lawrence. He made a really nice play on that. Trevor Lawrence, um, I think, I wouldn't call it a boot. It was like a designed run, and Lawrence was just like, you know what, let me tackle this guy. And it's funny because it's Lawrence on Lawrence crime, and both of them went to Clemson. Um, Anyway, but we have some solid D-linemen. Even Nick Williams has been solid for us this year. It's just the inconsistency with the linebacking court. Now, Micah McFadden hasn't played a ton. Uh, Jalen Smith, I mean, he wasn't really too recognizable this game. Uh, which can be a good thing. It also can be a bad thing because you get you know washed away in the running game. Tay Crowder wasn't very recognizable, so they may want to look for some other options in terms of that. Maybe keep him as a reserve. It's you know pretty dicey when you talk about it. Um, but to some other takeaways, Kayvon was the source of the pressure. He was held many times by Cam Robinson. I mean, there was that one play where he still got to Lawrence. He just threw it out, but he got the quarterback hit. And he was literally being held like this. He was being held like that. And the referee is back there for a reason to see if there's any penalties that should be, you know, you know, going on in the backfield, whether it's roughing the passer, whether it's hand to the face. But, um, you know, they didn't call it. They decided to call a phony roughing the passer on Dexter Lawrence. And, you know, Mark Schlereth even called it. He said, you know, I know we got to protect these quarterbacks, but that's just awful. In my, in my personal opinion, I think Trevor Lawrence flopped on that one roughing the passer. 
because he, you know, Dexter Lawrence, it's all a momentum thing. He pulls the jersey, and it's not like he slams the ground and hits his head or whatever. I think he flopped, and then they called the rough in the pass, and I think the Giants ended that drive um, successfully. They may have, they may have not, but he was also called for another roughing the passer, which, um, you know, was at least the way I looked at it. I think he, at least what I was told, um, put his full body weight on, which, you know, I can understand to a point. Um, safeties with the clutch forced fumble and fumble recovery. Xavier McKinney punched out in the red zone. Julian reco- uh, Julian Love recovered it, so a uh, smart play by the defense there. I would like to see Landon Collins a little bit more. Now, I understand this was his first game back in a Giants uniform, and, you know, I think when it's really going to hit him is after the bye because, A, he'll get more of a recognition at home because we open up after the bye against the Texans. Now, obviously, the Texans aren't necessarily the greatest opponent. Um, you know, they're not a very good team this year. They just lost the Raiders. He'll get recognition because he's home, all the emotions, but also he will catch up with the scheme. And that would be what, in two weeks' time, three weeks' time. So, you know, that's a game I might go to. I'm not so sure about it, though. Um, but it, the one play, he did create an impact. They ran a screen. Uh, which the Giants had trouble against in this game. But they ran a screen. I think it was like third down, and Landon Collins just made a shoestring tackle. And, uh, yeah, he made the stop. So credit Landon Collins. Stock up, stock down. I'm going to say Daniel Jones, definitely. Saquon Barkley after, you know, last week, not really having too much of a game. Uh, Dexter Lawrence keeps doing his thing. Leonard Williams keeps doing his thing. I thought Adoree Jackson played well in the key moments. Um... Wide receivers definitely have to be stocked down. Linebacking core has to be stocked down. I can't think of anybody else. So that's stock up, stock down. Before we get to the other topics, we always got to get to them snap counts. So we'll start out with the offense. Andrew Thomas, Mark Lewinsky, uh, Daniel Jones, and John Feliciano all earned 100% of the snaps. 81% for Saquon Barkley, 79% for Joshua Azudu, 79% for Marcus Johnson, uh, 75% for Tyree Phillips, 69% for Wandale Robinson, 60% for Chris Myrick, 57% for Darius Slayton, 39% for Tanner Hudson, 34% for Daniel Bellinger due to injury, 31% David Sills, 25% Evan Neal, 23% Matt Breida, 21% Ben Bredesen, 16% for Devery Hamilton, sometimes uses the extra tackle, Richie James, 9%, so that kind of has to be a little telling. Um, because he would normally play like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even 50%. You know, only got seven snaps during the game. And then um, Jack Anderson, only two snaps, which I didn't even realize he was uh, a guard or at some point or just an offensive lineman. Take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Julian Love, Fabian Moreau, and Xavier McKinney all played 100% of the snaps. Adoree Jackson was down on a play. Uh, he came out and came back in. 90% of the snaps, 89% for Kayvon Thibodeau, 86% for Leonard Williams, 80% for Darnay Holmes, 70% for Dexter Lawrence, 68% for Tate Crowder, 66% for Jalen Smith and Jihad Ward, 58% for Timon Fox, 32% for Dane Belton, 32% for Landon Collins, 24% for Nick Williams, 18% for Nick McLeod. He's played really well in a Giants uniform. for Justin Ellis, 8% for Ryder Anderson, and 3% for Quincy Roche. And once again, it was that uh, third down stop before the fourth down stop that Quincy Roche really made his uh, name known. So there is that. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about the injuries, then we'll talk about Daniel Jones on a long-term standpoint. Um, so as far as injury concerns go, I think they should stick with uh, Tyree Phillips at right tackle for right now. Um, as far as the tight end position goes, that's a tricky one because you could stick with Tanner Hudson. You could stick with a guy like um, Chris Myrick. Obviously, he's going to be the H-back, the fullback, whatever you want to call him. But you could also sign a guy like Jeremiah Hall. I think he's eligible to sign with the Giants again, um, though they released him during training camp, so I don't really know that they want him back. Andre Miller, they cut him with a injury reserve or reserve injury you know, settlement. Um, remember, he had that, I forget what his injury was, but he broke something. They put him on IR before the cutdown, so obviously he was determined out for the season. But there is a point in the season where you can release them and then re-sign them a few weeks later, and the time is actually around the corner, so you could do that. Um, the Giants have also picked up Lawrence Cager, who not necessarily much of a blocker, but he's also uh, more of a receiver, so he could help. Um, you know, I wouldn't put him as a blocker, though. I think he's caused some penalties for the Jets in the past. Uh, but he's definitely a guy you look into. So they could measure how long Daniel Bellinger is going to be out with this uh, septum and uh, socket injury and then go from there. Definitely go from there because the tight ends have been a great part of this offense. And really, Daniel Bellinger, I think, is going to be missed. Uh, you have to replicate that production somehow. So there's that in terms of... The injuries, well, the injury to uh, Ben Bredesen, I think you got to go with Josh Azudu. Um, he may not be ready. I don't necessarily know how the defense looks, but I'm, you know, in terms of Seattle, of course. But I think they are one of the worst against the run. Same goes for Detroit. Same goes for a team like the Houston Texans. So Josh Azudu's strength is against the run, and Jack Anderson's strength is against the pass. At least from what I know. Maybe that's mixing it up a little bit. Um, but I think definitely you need to give Azudu 100% of the snaps. We can't really do this rotation stuff for too much longer. you got to figure out over the next few weeks if you have a guy who needs to build on his game. If he's a waste of a pick, you're not really going to figure that out in the next few weeks. But Or, okay, we can ride this guy going into next year. And then maybe place Ben Bredesen when he comes back at center. You know, There's a multitude of things you could do. Or, if I'm stretching the line here, Nick Gates. You know, they have a few days, I think they have until Wednesday, to decide whether they want to bring him back this season or not. And if he comes back this season, maybe he plays alongside Andrew Thomas. But right now, my sights are set on Josh Azudu to get some work. Now let's go to Daniel Jones real quick. Um, I have officially bought the goods on him coming back next year. Now, maybe that changes because I've said some things before that I have regretted. Um, but with that being said, I have been convinced that he is at least manageable for next year. Now, the Giants could draft a quarterback. They could do this. They could do that. I'm not really focused on that right now. I'm focused on, hey, listen, we're a 6-1 team. We could be 7-1. We could also be 6-2 going into the bye, and we have a favorable, uh, favorable schedule to start. Then we have some bumps in the road with uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Eagles. But, um, you know... Daniel Jones, in my opinion, has definitely bought uh, the goods, or at least I've bought the goods in Daniel Jones for him to come back next year. Uh, long term, not really going to have a discussion about that because it's, I can't say it's a moot point, 
but it's kind of the same. You know, he hasn't showed me anything for the long term, but it also depends, in my personal opinion, on the philosophy of the NFL. Now, you do need your Lamar Jacksons and your uh, Patrick Mahomes and all these different guys, but if you can win with a guy like Daniel Jones and be at the upper echelon of the league, don't have a problem with it. You know, if you're not a part of the upper echelon of the league and you're just that mid-football team, that's not really where the Giants want to be. That's not where Brian Dable wants to be, but that's all in the long term. So anyway, I've bought the goods in Daniel Jones coming back next year, staying another year with the Giants because he is a fighter, he is a warrior, and there's no need to change the quarterback at this point. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Uh, apologies for the bad lighting and, you know, it looks like I'm tan or something. That's not the case. Let me just turn this light out. Well, now it wants to play like a scary movie here. Uh, but like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. The Giants are 6-1. You better fucking believe it. Let's go, Giants. Giants. <laughs>